Hi, and welcome to Eat My Words, a twice-monthly Arizona Highways podcast that celebrates Arizona's unique culinary culture. I'm your host, Kelly Vaughn. For this episode, I'm pleased to introduce Chef Jenna Lurquin of JL Patisserie with locations in Phoenix and Scottsdale. Jenna, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Now, I'm curious mostly about your background and how you began baking, how you became a chef, etc. It's a it's a long story, but long story short, um, I've always loved baking. I grew up loving baking. Uh, my mom had an American pastry cookbook, uh, so I really grew up with best of both worlds where she would make carrot cakes and cookies and just those really good American, you know, sweet stuff. And then also I had bakeries around every corner, good croissant, good bread, um, just surrounded by pastry stuff. So I, I just really always loved it. Um, and growing up, I played a lot of sports and I ended up uh, playing golf at Boise State uh, on the full ride. So uh, once I graduated, I said, okay, I, I do want to be an entrepreneur and I, I really, really love baking. So let's, let's do a bakery. I felt like the American market was really lacking um, pastry shops, bakeries, true French um, authentic products. And I saw it as my opportunity to just enter the market and do what I love and offer those really high quality products to the Americans. So that's kind of how I I ended up doing what I do today. And what brought you to Arizona? Uh, So after I graduated from college uh, in Boise, Idaho, I went to Cordon Bleu in Paris. I figured I wanted to be trained in one of the best school and that was going to be my entry to the professional baking world Uh, beyond, you know, just loving baking at home. I just really wanted that professional training. So I went to Cordon Bleu in Paris and that was a year program. And then I started my consulting company and just worked in different uh, places, uh, Paris, Rouen, Belgium, places, you know, either bakeries, bread shops, chocolatiers, palaces. I just kind of trained in all different aspects of the baking world and the pastry world. And then uh, my husband is actually from Arizona, And originally being Canadian, I also have a Canadian nationality, although I grew up in Belgium, I considered moving to Canada to open my shop. And when I went visit to see if I would move there, we got hit by a really, really, really hard um, snow blizzard. And I realized, okay, this is this is a sign I shouldn't be here right now. Um, And so Scott, my husband mentioned, hey, why don't we consider Arizona because that's where I'm from and I said yeah let's let's try it so I was recruited originally by a private country club here in the valley to be their head pastry chef and I thought it was really a great way for me to just enter just the world in Arizona just live here get comfortable here uh, see if I love living here and I did so I did that for two and a half years and after two and a half years I started doing farmer's market and I realized, okay, this is really my opportunity to just start doing what I do. Wonderful. And and for those listeners who aren't familiar with Le Cordon Bleu, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the training itself. Is it rigorous? Are you in the kitchen every day? What is the program like? 
So it's very rigorous and it's very intense, uh, which is my life right now anyway. So it seems like not, but when you haven't come from just such an intense level of training, it, it, it is a little bit intimidating. Uh, luckily, like I said, prior to that, I was a division one athlete. So I, I was um, used to like early mornings, intense training, intense day, very physical days, but a lot of people that were not, it was, it was hard on them. Uh, I acknowledge that. So there are three levels through uh, the program, the basic intermediary and then the superior. And then the way that uh, it is also structured is there's different uh food group that you get to learn so you can either do the cuisine group which is the savory you can do the pastry program or you can do the boulangerie program at the time that i went to cordon bleu they didn't have a specific boulangerie program but they had the um savory so the cuisine program and the pastry program and then what i had decided to do at the time was to do both programs just because i thought they were extremely complementary and they were going to teach me um across the different uh, food groups and knowledge and skills that you would need, even though, you know, scaling a fish isn't necessarily always applicable to baking good bread, but in general, it's just a very good, uh, complete training. So I had decided to do both programs at the same time, so simultaneously. And so I was doing uh, cuisine and baking at the same time. And so the way the, the, program works is that you go and you have what's called a demo so you have a chef you watch the chef do the demonstration for you of like this is the three dish we're going to teach you to prepare and then so that's about two two and a half hours and once he's done you get to go into a what's called practical so you go in your own uh, classroom with your practical everyone gets their own stove gets their own like equipment gets their own Let's say you're making chicken, you get your own chicken and you have to recreate the dish that they decided you have to recreate. And it goes the same with the pastry program where they'll show you, let's make like those three cakes. We'll show you those three cakes and then you get into practical and then you got to make one of the three cakes. And so that's kind of how it works. Uh, it was really intense, but it was also a lot of fun. What I really appreciated about the school specifically is that most of the people I was in class with and now were my friends were people that already had a previous career, just like I did going into um, uh, business school uh, prior to doing that. And so most people are really clearly uh, have a vision and were changing their career or just had really a clear mind of like, this is why I'm this, in this school for is because I want to do this after. And that was like really refreshing to be with people that really had a clear vision of what they wanted to do in their life. I made really good friends in that school and it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, but it was intense. That's for sure. Now, this is probably an ignorant question, but do you see a lot of big differences between European baking um, and specifically French baking and American baking? And if so, what are those differences? I think, I think there is, uh, but I also do think a lot of American and bakeries now do try to have that classic authenticity of the French methods. So I cannot say that I'm the only bakery here that ever applies uh, European baking because I do think a lot of other people did get inspired by that. Uh, but if you go back to the roots of the American baking and the French baking, it's, it's extremely different. 
Um, and I think also that the French baking are really proud of their methods and their authenticity. And so I do think that they really value keeping that um, continuous and like alive uh, through the generation. Um, so I think mainly the number, number one difference and it comes, it goes down to like the ingredients. It's starting with like just incredibly quality ingredients, uh, the way it's sourced, the way it's uh, processed, the way it's handled is, is a really proud thing for Europeans to know the farmers and, and respect uh, their fishermen and their the cows and what they eat. And so there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of that culture when choosing the ingredients. Um, so number one is really starting with a quality ingredient. And then number two, like I said, is, is keeping all traditions alive and doing it uh, the proper way, no matter how long it takes. I think um, America is just so big, the productions become so big that at some point you just kind of lose the, the sense of certain things do take time. And uh, some of the customers are not accustomed to like hearing that. They're like, oh, well, can't you just like bake it really quick? Well, no, because it takes three days to make. So I, I can't really quickly bake it. Um, and so I think a lot of the uh, traditional methods with the sourdough starter, the levain, the natural fermentation, not over mixing, using a really high quality flour. Um, it's it's part of really the European roots and some higher volume or higher production uh, American bakeries don't necessarily understand and they adjust to what the customer wants. And I think we really stand our ground in, in just educating them. Sometimes it takes a lot of effort to explain to them why I can't do it in a day while it's going to take me three days because of my starter, because of the time that it takes, but the quality really usually speaks for itself. So I think that's the major difference between the American traditions and, and European. I also do think that we use a lot less sugar. Yeah. Definitely use a lot less sugar, yeah. Um, so we just, by choosing to use seasonal ingredients, you usually don't need to season as much because the, the ingredients are so flavorful to start with that if you use a strawberry or you know berries in August, September, they're gonna taste so sweet already. That's when you make your strawberry jam. You don't make it in December. The strawberries have no flavor. You end up having to add sugar and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I think also customers in Europe are accustomed to being told, you know what, I don't have a strawberry shortcake for you today because it's December and there's no strawberries. Versus America, you can still go to any grocery store and they're going to sell strawberries. They're flavorless, but they're going to sell them. And so um, the fact that everyone does understand seasonality and don't expect all products all year long and um, understand as a baker, you can't utilize product when they're out of season. Uh, it's also a big difference for sure. There is such a culture of immediacy in America and immediate gratification. I can only imagine how challenging that must be as a chef and as a business owner. We have seen though here in Arizona over the past several years, I would say more of a movement, you know, toward local and locally sourced ingredients and, and a little bit more of getting to know your growers and your farmers and your producers and your, you know, the people who are providing your dairy. Do you have some good relationships with 
um, Arizona growers with dairies that, and you're utilizing their products in your recipes at all? We do, we do, but not everything that we need grows in Arizona. Right. So that is also a challenge versus in France, when you go from region to region, they have completely different weather, different altitudes, that kind of stuff that you can stay within, you know, the French region and no producer around the French region that all produce something different that's locally sourced uh, versus here in Arizona, it's just hot everywhere in Arizona and desert everywhere in Arizona. So we do grow a lot of great citruses here um, and great vegetables. So we do use local farmers for that. But when it comes to berries, unfortunately, Arizona doesn't grow such produces, so we have to outsource for that. Um, so we, we do try to find partnership where we can. Uh, we really love working like that. Uh, like I said, the citruses is one of the big things. Some of the oranges and stuff we use in the winter are absolutely incredible. And we'll create a product with those and people will love it. And they'll come see us in August and they're like, remember what you did last January? It was so good. It's like, yeah, well, I want that for my birthday. It's next week. Unfortunately, I can't do it. And they get really frustrated. They're like, what do you mean you can't do it? I'm like, I can't find those oranges. They're like, no, I see oranges at the grocery store. I'm like, no, not those, not from that local farmer that did that very specialty variety of oranges that grows on his farm that's local, locally sourced because it's out of season right now. Right. Um, so, I mean, we, we, we do, do have to do a little bit of education in that regards, but wherever we can, we, we will find a local uh, farmer or producer that's going to do that for us. And um, I, th I think it's definitely worth it, but it also is more effort. It is to find that, to, to build that relationship, to um, work. And it's something that once you're in this industry, you need to put the effort to keep that alive because it is so convenient to just find a major supplier and just get it and just order it and just have it delivered the next day. It is just so convenient, but it does take extra effort to to go out of your way and find that farmer and find that special relationship and cultivate that. Um, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Now you take custom orders for cakes and that sort of thing. Um, you take those through your website and in both of your locations, but you also have a daily menu of cookies and cakes and other pastries at both locations in Scottsdale and Phoenix, correct? Correct. Yeah. So we, we are able to customize some cakes to some level that we understand is exactly what they want. Sometimes they, if we don't really clearly understand, then we'll just write or not bake it because we want to make sure that we make them happy. But yes, on a daily basis, we also do have um, the classic ingredient, like classic pastries that we offer, like the butter croissant, the quiches, the cookies. Uh, tarts, cakes, and then for the tarts, we do also work seasonal uh, with the seasonality. So we'll change it, um, you know, quarterly or, or you know, whenever we need to change the, the fruit on them. And uh, yeah, but we do offer pastries for anyone who wants to walk in and 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 get some some sugar fix. And you mentioned that there are some recipes that or some things that may take you as many as three days to create, what are some of your more challenging recipes that you work through on a regular basis? Honestly, most of what we do does take three days. If you think about, the, if you break down the process, 
but the definitely the the things that do take us the longest are going to be our bread and our croissant. And the reason why it's because it's naturally fermented before sourdough starter. So we got to feed our sourdough starter, make sure it's active. And then the next day only we can use them into making the dough. And then we got to let the dough proof overnight. And then only once it's proof overnight, then we can actually shape it and or sheet it and, and, and get it, its final product. And then when it's the product, then it has to sit overnight one more time. So it proofs uh, once it's in, it's in final shape, it proofs. And then only the next day I can, I can bake it. So whoever works on bread in my bakery is always three days ahead. So usually we'll talk numbers and we'll talk numbers about like just ahead. And sometimes it's hard because I'm like, oh, I only need, you know, 40 for tomorrow, 50 for tomorrow of that. And they're like, oh, no, I'm already like three days ahead. I'm asking you for this weekend when we're only Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, we're, we really have to plan ahead for that. And um, you never know what's going to happen. Next thing you know, you realize it's going to be a, 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 a rainstorm that weekend. You might be a little bit less busy. Well, too bad. You've already worked those numbers. And that's what you're going to have to bake. So, yeah. Any idea how much butter you use in a single week? Mm, I would say about 20 cases of 50 pounds. Wow. That's a lot of butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a thousand pounds of a thousand pounds of butter. That's amazing. And you have yeah. two loca- you have two locations. There's a location in Scottsdale, which I believe was the original location, correct? Correct. Yeah. So we opened Scottsdale first and about nine months later, we opened our Phoenix location. Fantastic. And, and of course, I know that business is really challenging or has been very challenging for people during the pandemic. How did you pivot and adjust your business during the past year and a half or so? I feel like everything I've done since I've created my bakery, it's just been just organic. Just we saw opportunity, we grabbed it, we just kept moving towards what people were asking and just did it really, really, really well. Um, we considered everything that was offered to us very uh, carefully and we never committed to something we wouldn't be able to do 100% and do well. But at the same time, we were presented opportunities that we just took and say, okay, let's, let's commit to that opportunity and let's do 100% of that. And so when COVID hit, before COVID, we were doing a lot of events, a lot of weddings. That was like mainly our our business venture was just catering, weddings, that kind of stuff. And with COVID, all of that event kind of shut down, but people were looking for bread and sourdough and and croissant. And we were still able to be delivered flour at the time, which was was huge because you couldn't find it at a grocery store. And I just thought, you know what? People need flour and they want it. Let's sell also our flour. Not so much. We were selling at our own cost. So it was cheaper than a grocery store. It was more so to like be there for the community. Um, and so anything that people would call us, see if we could sell it to them. We would just sell it at our cost. We just wanted to be there for people. So we sold our flour, eggs, milk, whatever people would ask us. Um, and then we really grew that community. We started doing a lot more bread, a lot more croissant, and we kept growing it that direction. And then things starting again, we don't have as much wedding as we did originally, but it's getting back to it. And just in general, we just 
have awesome people around us and we build that community and that branding with them. You have a very strong following on social media and recently your TikTok videos have been getting a lot of eyes on them <laughs> and, <laughs> and they've gone very popular. I mean, how has that augmented your business? How do you feel about being a chef in a social media world? So originally with those videos, what I wanted to do was really showcase what we do. I, I always said, I, I want to be really genuine. I don't want to pretend like it's one thing and it's not. Um, and that's the way I, I am in real life. I just, I'm really, I believe genuine and honest person. And so we started by doing videos of like how we do our things, you know, let's do a, a quick clip of like shaping the croissant, a quick clip of like shaping the baguette. And then one day my, my marketing assistant is like, why don't we do a video with you? And I'm like, no, I don't want to be on the video. And we recorded this video of me laughing and we're just like, we're cracking up watching like myself. We're like tearing up watching me just laughing. And I'm like, no, let's do this video again. And we did it again. And, we, and it's just not the same. And we're like, we just got to go with the original because it, it was just so funny. And so we posted that and I realized people just really love feeling that connection with us. Like there's real people behind the pastries. It's, it's real life. We're really there at 2 a.m. We're really, um, and so I think we really opened the doors to like the human, we humanized, you know, the pastry world. And there's a lot of things that people don't realize behind making baguette, making croissant, that kind of stuff and being a pastry chef. And I think we really, really showcase in a very genuine way it's whatever we say is going to be really true and 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 really what happened and so uh i try to keep it that way i try to be funny um because we get a laugh about it a little bit you know having to get up at 1 a.m every day i mean you gotta you gotta be able to laugh about it a little bit absolutely <laughs> it's not all that bad yeah <laughs> well on that bite I will say thank you so much chef and I will let you go rest so you can get up at one o'clock tomorrow morning to keep doing what you're doing I have I have a lot more bread and croissant to shape for the rest of the day but uh yeah I wouldn't want it any other way and I want to let my community know that um they've had a really good impact on us as well um owning a small bakery and finding good bakers and people that care is sometimes hard because it's a really, really hard industry. But then you find a community that really truly support you for who you are and who your team is and your product. And it does have an incredible impact on our day to day. It makes waking up at 2 a.m. a lot easier because we know that the people that are going to come in are going to appreciate what we did. And so it's we're really, really, truly grateful for our community and anyone who comes in our door and just tell us that they love our product because that makes our day. So um, whoever listens, I don't know who they are. I'm, I'm always surprised how many people find our videos and listen to us. And But it really does truly make an impact, especially on small business going through COVID. And um, I'm really grateful for that. So excellent. Chef Jenna Lurquin of JL Patisserie, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, it was a pleasure. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe. For more information about JL Patisserie, visit jlpatisserie.com. For more information about Arizona Highways, visit arizonahighways.com. Until next time, eat my words.